Hello, hello everybody, hello, hello, welcome, hello and welcome, hello, I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com, and uh, apologize for a little delay, um, I was having trouble getting YouTube to talk to OBS, but we fixed it, so we're going. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, that's 9 Eastern for those that do not know where the mountains are. I'm glad you could be here with me today. Here's what we do if you're new here. We're going to start with a shipping report. Um, I run dancefish.com and we make our living by shipping aquarium fish to our customers around the nation. And every week I tell you how it went and I'm upfront and honest. If there's any losses or anything, I report them publicly. And the reason I do this is if every week I have to get in front of the world <laughs> and, uh, and tell them how I did, like what kind of job I'm doing, getting fish to customers alive and healthy, then it's a massive incentive for me to not cut corners and do a good job and make sure that we're shipping good fish to our customers in a way that they get there in good shape. So I, I like that kind of pressure on myself and on my business to make sure that we're always doing things correctly. So that's why we do it. Um, and I'm... I'm happy to report that since I talked to you, um, there haven't been any issues, kind of. <laughs> There's been a couple things. Um, one is a gentleman, uh, a customer, purchased a couple of the platies from me. They're these amazing neon yellow calico platies, my, my favorite platy of all time. They, they're like... They're like happiness in fishnate, not in carnate. Yeah, in carnate, I guess. Um, they just look so happy and they're so bright. And I shipped them to one customer and some of the fish that he put them in the tank that he put them in developed ick. So the question was, did my platies have ick and give them to his fish or did my platies stress his fish out so they developed ick? Or in getting the tank ready for the platies and moving things around, did that stress the fish and so they developed ick? We don't know. All I know for sure is that one customer, and I've sent out tons of these platies, so I don't think it's ubiquitous, but one customer uh, put some platies in, in his tank, uh, skipped the quarantine, put them right in his tank, and developed ick in that tank. So. I think I need to check back in and find out if everyone's doing okay or not. I hope so. And the question when things like that happen is that it always comes to the forefront. And by the way, this customer couldn't be nicer. They weren't like accusatory or anything. They were just like, hey, I wanted you to know that I had this issue so you could check your stock. So in case they're developing something, right, which is great feedback to have. Um, and... Uh, the question is, if you buy a new fish and you take it home and your, your fish get ick, did the new fish give your tank ick? And the answer is maybe. Or was the ick already in the tank? And the answer is maybe. Actually, the answer in both cases is yes. <laughs> and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, by the way, we have an awesome giveaway tonight and some other things to talk about, too. And we'll get to your questions and comments. But for now, I'm going to dig into this because the shipping report is kind of bringing it up. So here's the thing about a lot of fish diseases. 
Now, I'm not a veterinarian or anything, but I do go to aquarium veterinarian conferences. I do talk to aquarium veterinarians every chance I get and, and pick their brain. Um, whenever I go to a fish meeting, there's a fish vet, I, I talk to them or I actually attend all the events I'm allowed to where veterinarians are discussing fish medicine. And little secret is if you pay for the conference, they'll let you in. <laughs> the conference wants the money. They don't care so much about your credentials. So you can go and learn a lot at these things. And they always talk about, and I do mean that always, they don't talk about, I've never heard them talk about eradicating a disease um, or a parasite or something like that in our fish. What they talk about is managing the disease or the parasite or what have you. So the point there is that parasites like ick and, and most of the rest, a lot of the pathogens that cause disease in our fish are already in our aquariums all the time. They're just in the environment. Um, all the little critters from the microcosmos, uh, they travel very well. They can travel, some of them just on air, they can travel on plants, they're, they're around, they're there. So the issue isn't, isn't always that something gave your fish a disease so much as something happened that caused, that allowed the disease to take hold, to, that allowed the pathogen to get out of control and now we have disease symptoms happening. So I would say that pretty much every aquarium, freshwater aquarium that, that we have, has ick in it, no matter what, it's, it's in there. The question is what causes the fish's immune system to be overrun so the ick kind of infests in heavy numbers? What was the stressor? What caused the fish's system to, to get overwhelmed? What caused the ick numbers to increase to such an extent they could overwhelm the fish or cause the fish's immune system to weaken to the extent that the ick could get a hold or both? And that's just one example of the ick. Uh, we could talk about this with many, many, many of the different uh, issues that we encounter in fish health. So I, I was thinking about that when I responded to this customer, like how, how best to respond and so I never want to say, that's not my fish, because it could be my fish anytime. I, like, the fish look healthy, they're doing great, but tomorrow they could have a problem. And if I ship the fish to you today and they don't develop the problem till tomorrow, I wouldn't know that something was festering. And, um, oh, I just need to check real quick and make sure that the microphone's okay because I got going and I didn't check. I think we are because no one's yelling that the microphone is uh, okay. Everyone's, I, I think we're all good. <laughs> so I'll keep going. So anyway, I, I, I always, whenever someone has an issue with the fish, I, I send them. Sometimes I know it's my fault because like after I sent them, something develops in my tank. This happened with the um, African red eye tetras I had. Um, I sent several out. Everyone was great for, geez, a month. Everyone was doing great, I think it was. And then one day I went and they had developed an issue. But I'd already sent several out because everyone had looked good for a long time before that. So uh, sometimes I know it's my fault because something has happened. But often we don't know whose fault it is or even if it is any one person at fault. It's like, yeah, the ick was probably in my tank's. It was probably in your tanks if you ever buy fish from me. And if there's an outbreak, 
something happened. Adding the new fish stressed the environment or, or stressed the existing fish to the point they developed it or the, or the stress of shipping caused it to develop, things like that. So um, just something I wanted to, to talk about. So, so when I respond, I usually say like, look, it could have been me. I'm sure it's in my tanks, but also it's probably in your tanks too. So it's probably a stressor happens somewhere and shipping can do that sometimes. So the good news is it's very rare that this happens. Um, if, if, if fish are properly prepared and, um, acclimated and, and made robust fat and sassy, as I like to call it before they're shipped and then shipped in an appropriate way, almost always it goes fine. But every now and then something like this does happen. So to that customer, if, if you're watching, I, I haven't been looking at who's here. Um, I, I hope it's getting better. Um, I don't think we'll ever know. And, and it's not like they were asking or accusing me or anything, but I always wonder when that happens. I'm like, was it me? <laughs> I, I often we'll never know. Now, there are definitely cases though, where a fish has something that another group of fish doesn't. And when you introduce them, you can have a wipeout scenario. I know this because there's been a few times throughout my fish keeping career not often, thankfully, but every now and then when I'll have separate tanks of fish that I've had for a long time thriving. And if I move fish from one tank into another, sometimes for some reason, everything goes haywire. So no problem for often months at a time. And then maybe put them together and it's like, Hey, that fish I added to that must not have been immune to whatever those fish have, it's not affecting them at all, but it sure wiped out the new fish or vice versa. So there are definitely cases that are not what I'm saying, like it, where it's like, yeah, it's in my tanks, it's in your tanks too. It's just, if everything's managed and going well, it doesn't become a problem. But the moment, it, given the opportunity, um, something happens that creates an opportunity for the ick, then it manifests and becomes a problem. I think that's usually what happens. But every now and then I do know that it's like, I don't know, it's like smallpox or something, right? When if, if one population doesn't ever have exposure to smallpox and then they're exposed to a population that does and the havoc that, that can ensue, right? The, the carnage that can ensue. That kind of thing can happen sometimes. So if you can, please do quarantine. Um, I know there's a lot of people I see it on social media and things where they'll say, I, I usually quarantine, but I don't, I don't quarantine the fish I get from Dan's fish because he quarantines. And that's true. I do quarantine and I do everything I can, but, but stuff can still happen. So if you can quarantine, please do. I understand some of you are in small apartments and you only have space for one tank or your landlord only allows you to have one aquarium. So you really can't. And I get that. But where possible, uh, please do. It's a lot of <laughs> I do everything I can, but it's I don't want the pressure of being like, oh, there's this massive tank I have that's got all these prized, beautiful fish in it that I've had forever. And I got these new fish from Dan's Fish. I'm going to put them in there. They'll be OK. Dan, Dan quarantines. And then the tank gets wiped out or something. So far, I don't think that's happened. But don't put that, please don't put that pressure on me if you can help it. Anyway, so so that did happen. Um, the other thing that happened, and I didn't report it last week because I didn't hear about it till Thursday, is 
last week I sent out two of the Blackberry silver dollars on, on Tuesday. They were delivered on Wednesday. This is really sad because they're a very, very expensive fish. It's always sad when a fish is lost, right? I mean, just life itself is precious, but add a large dollar amount to that and you get another, another level of concern just because of the finances. And, um, so I got an email on Thursday with a picture of a dead blackberry silver dollar. And we went back and forth a bit. And all I'll say is that it's clear from going back and forth that that customer is, is not being honest about what happened. Um, this doesn't happen often. There's only been, I think, two or three times when I've told a customer, by the way, if customers are dishonest, I just won't do business with them again. That's what happens. And there's only been two or three times when that's happened, where a customer has been dishonest. Um, and I've said, okay, we're never doing business again. Goodbye. Right. Um, and this is one of those cases, unfortunately, I will always reimburse the fish plus the shipping or send a replacement or whatever. I will take care of it. If there's a problem, no matter how expensive the fish is, whether it's a two cent fish or a $300 fish, right? I'll always do that. Unless you straight up lie to me <laughs> and jerk me around and, and try to take advantage of a situation. So unfortunately that did happen here. And I think what happened from what I'm putting together, I wasn't there, but what I think happened is this was a very hot area and uh, they were delivered on Wednesday morning. And I don't think they realized and I don't think that they got the package and opened it until Thursday. And so the fish got really hot. So it wasn't a good situation. And um, I won't go into the exact details of how I know that they would be dishonest and things. And it usually doesn't happen. Almost, almost always people are honest. But every now and then someone isn't and it's clear that they aren't. I never accuse someone of lying. Like if someone says, this fish died... Um, I'll, I'll almost always say, oh, I'm so sorry, I processed a refund, or I'm so sorry, I'll send it an, a replacement next week or whenever I'm shipping again, right? But every now and then, um, it's, it's clear that, that, that things are <laughs> not on the up and up. So I haven't had that experience often, and I hate it when I do, but... Um, I'll almost always give the customer the benefit of the doubt unless it's just blatant. And there's been a couple of times when it is, it, it happened. Um, it's, it's always with the expensive fish too. Uh, the last time it happened was with um, a, a few Congo spotted puffers um, where someone bought them and then claimed that there were issues that there weren't. And I found out later that that customer was just trying to get money back because their wife was mad because they spent too much money on the puffers. So stuff like that does happen every now and then. So unfortunately, a little bit of drama this week, but that's the extent of it. And um, it, it hasn't happened in a long time. It doesn't happen often, but I guess that's why when it does, it sticks out so, so much. <laughs> so that's the shipping report. Two... Silver dollars were lost, but 
<laughs> Pretty sure we left out to bake in the hot sun for an entire day, plus some of the next day. Um, and then some platies uh, might have introduced to ick or introduced a situation where ick developed. So I'm going to move. Let's see here. Yeah, I'm going to move on from that. I, I don't want to go into the details and all that um, of what happened. It's just I'll just say this once again, though. Almost always it's an automatic. Oh, I'm so sorry. Here's the refund. But when it's clear that you're being dishonest and just trying to get a refund and, and you did something this almost never happens. How do I say this? With, see, I don't, I'm not trying to be all negative because I'm not a negative guy. And I think your interactions with me and my company will, will be positive. But every now and then, let's just say it's just blatantly clear and provable <laughs> from the conversation that, that things are shady. So, um, all right, I'm going to move on. Um, I did not mean to get into that. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> um, so I, I will ask this, though. If you have gotten um, those platies from me, and, and not when I had them like a year ago, but this batch, within the last, I don't know, couple months or so, if you have had those platies from me, have you had an issue? Have you had ick develop in them? Because if so, if it's not just this one customer, but lots of customers, then maybe something is happening that I need to look into. Although they haven't developed it here. So I'm not sure exactly what that would tell me, but maybe I would go ahead and treat uh, around with ICX or something just to try to prevent further infestation. So um, if you have got those platies from me, please let me know if you've had problems. You can do it here in the chat live. We're transparent. We can talk about this live. That's not a problem. Or if you don't want to talk about it live, you can email me, dan at dancefish.com and let me know. Um, and the silver dollars, I, I actually know those are thriving for people from the feedback I've got. So I think that's fine. I think this was just, uh, unfortunately, uh, got left out. Okay. With that, let me get to my giveaway. And I didn't mean to set up this awesome giveaway by starting on a negative note. I almost never go negative, but every now and then something happens that really bugs me because I know it wasn't me. <laughs> and that bugs me when people insist it is, and I actually know it wasn't. Um, but the giveaway is for some amazing angelfish. These are from Cape Fish. This is Cape Fish's store on Get Gills. Here's a picture of the parents of these angels. They're from Angels Plus, which is why I know they're good quality. Angels Plus probably has the best quality angel fish in the United States or on par with the best in the United States. They have a stellar reputation. They've been doing it forever. Their strains are going to be true. And this is an actual picture. Look at all that nice coverage, high, high coverage. Often when you get koi angelfish, they're mostly white with a couple with some black on them. Some of them do have some of the orange red on them, but rarely in such high coverage. So beautiful looking fish. This is one of the parents. Here's what the babies look like right now. And they should develop that orange red color as they as they grow. So on the babies, they're just quarter size. Don't expect it. But when they grow out, this is what they should turn into. 
So I'm pretty excited about that. And there's six of them um, that are being given away, which is a $72 value plus whatever shipping is worth. So that's very nice. That is a, a very generous giveaway by Cape Fish. Bob over at Cape Fish is doing this. I did check the reviews. They're all positive. Um, you know, not a, not a ton of reviews, but the ones that they have are positive. And so I, I thought this would be a, a great little giveaway because those high coverage, I don't know, maybe call them Dean quality or something like that. Is that blasphemy? <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to find those really good quality angelfish. And then often the people that have them won't ship them. So it's a cool opportunity. If you'd like to win six of them at a quarter size, then the hashtag for that is hashtag good koi, no space. Hashtag G-O-O-D-K-O-I. Good koi, because these aren't just koi angelfish. These are good koi angelfish. So that is our giveaway. And thanks again to um, Bob over at Cape Fish for providing the items for tonight's giveaway. And by the way, if you're new here, if you win these, there's no shipping or anything. All you have to do is enter the uh, go koi hashtag in the chat. At the end, we'll do a drawing at the end. At some point, we'll do a drawing, probably a little before the end, just to mix things up. And so people that join at the last five minutes just to win will be foiled. <laughs> um, and if you win, I'll send, I'll get you in, in touch with Bob over at Cape Fish and um, they'll be shipped to you for free. So there's no pain shipping or any of that. It's, it's completely free. You do have to be in the continental United States to win, but as long as you are, uh, no other obligation than entering the hashtag. All right. So I'm pretty excited about something. As you know, we've been trying to get this warehouse built for a while. We're expanding our business, building a, a state-of-the-art, I would say, warehouse where we can house our fish and recover them from import and get them nice and healthy and fat and sassy before we send them to our customers um, and not run out of room so fast. We're just we don't have the space we need. We're, <laughs> we're crammed down here and we can't keep up with, with the demand. Um, so we're building a warehouse and I'm happy to say that there's been a lot of dirt work done. Stuff's been moved around and stuff in preparation for getting the building pad laid. And we had the surveyor out there today they did all their surveying, got it all plotted out and it looks good. It looks like we're ready to go. So this week we should, I almost hate to say that it sounds too impossible to be true that it's actually starting, but I talked to the contractor yesterday um, and they're going to start the building pad this week, which is a huge step forward. Um, still don't know exactly when things will be done. There's just no way to know with all the supply issues that are still lingering. Um, you know, during all the COVID shutdowns and everything, there's still supply issues and things, but I'm hopeful that we'll get in there pretty soon. Like it's, it's starting to actually uh, take physical shape. So I'll be making videos of that as that progresses and share that with you. But it, it looks like, uh, looks like it's a little more than just moving dirt around now and preparing. Now it's like, okay, we're actually going to start the building um, or at least the pad, the building goes on and the building follows shortly. So here's the process. Building pad goes down. Um, 
all the framing for the cement work goes in, but then there's a whole bunch of sub slab work because as the contractor put it, we have the most, uh, <laughs> he, he, what do you call it? Complicated, the most intricate, um, plumbing system in the County, if not the state, there's a whole bunch of plumbing to do, um, under the slab. Normally it doesn't take very long. You just lay a couple pipes down and stuff and you're good, but this is pretty complicated and take some engineers out there to make sure it's all done right and all that. So, um, the plumbing work itself, the under slab work itself is going to take at least a couple weeks and then they'll be able to put all the dirt back over all that. And, um, and actually pour the slab and start building. So it's pretty intricate pr um, project. It's not going to go as fast as your typical build just because of how how complex it is, but it's, it's actually starting. Um, and I'll be bringing you guys along for that journey. Another cool thing that's happened in the fish room is I have banded gudgeons <laughs> the Mogurnda cingulata. Let me show you this fish spawning like crazy. So um, I'm raising up. I've had so many clutches. I'm only raising two clutches. I just don't have room for all the rest. Um, there's these guys. Here's a picture of some of them that I had, uh, I don't know, a few months ago to sell. Um, here's a decent picture of an adult. The margins on the fins, the red on the blue and all that. Um, I think they're a really cool fish. Anyway, I've got a ton of them. So we're making a very detailed video on, on raising those fish. Not just like, look, they spawned or look, I have babies, but the whole process. We've already taken lots of video. And so if you're into spawning fish and raising fish and want more than just the, look, my beds are embracing I caught him in the act and I'm going to take a video, but not like the actual guide to how to raise from start to finish. Um, that'll be coming out. It's going to take a while because it takes a while to grow them out and everything. And we want to document the whole thing until they're about, I don't know, three quarters of an inch or so. And then it's like obvious, right? Then just keep feeding them. But um, man, they're, they're going nuts and they're growing fast and it's pretty awesome because I mean, I bred other gudgeons like peacock gudgeons and stuff before, but it always took a lot of work. These guys, it's like, eh, let's spawn. Nah, all right. And they just lay right on the glass. They're amazing parents. They've been awesome. So that's pretty funny. All right. I think that's it for updates. Um, the last thing before I get to questions and comments is that... Um, Jonathan's been working like crazy. You aren't seeing it yet, but he's building um, an API that is going to allow us to do all kinds of amazing things without breaking anything. <laughs> so, uh, so there's been a lot of work just architecting how that works and things, and and building, starting to build it out. So it's all architected out and. Um, the build has begun some of the sections, at least the first section is viable and working and stuff. There, there's a couple sections that have been done. There's the security section uh, that has to happen. And then the basic, how does a user log in? How do they log out? How do they create an account and all that? So those sections are done. And um, there's some other stuff that 
a lot of other stuff that'll happen. And so, um, yeah, I just want to thank Jonathan for his hard work. In fact, that's what he's doing right now. He's coding like crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it, it should be awesome, though. Um, the, the API model just allows you to do a lot more without basically it allows you to try a thing and do it without putting everything else in the system at risk. So if something breaks over here, it's like, okay, that's fine. It didn't break everything else. Um, so it allows you to play a lot more and be a lot more flexible. So I mean, very excited about that. Now, questions and comments section always begins if I'm doing my job right with me thinking my mods who take care of this chat and monitor the questions in the comments and make sure that everything's doing well and that no one's out of line. <laughs> they have full band power, so don't give them a hard time. I want to remind folks these moderators are volunteers. They're just doing this out of the goodness of their heart uh, to help me and my channel and my business, and I thank them for that and to help the community at large. If you watch, um, if you're involved in the community, you'll see how active they are not just on my channel, but on lots of different channels, helping make this whole ecosystem, I guess you would call it, of all the different channels and creators and viewers and things interacting together all the time, making it work and be a pleasant experience. So, so far, I think they're doing a great job. Um, I think we have one of the best communities out there. And by we, I don't mean just me. I mean, the fish keeping community in general on YouTube is amazing. And so thank you guys for your work to help make that happen. I really appreciate it. Not just for me, but for the community that I enjoy. So with that, let's get to questions and comments. Okay, stream health is good. Excellent. So the first one I can see is Lunatic Fringe Angels Plus has really good stock of angelfish, very well known in the angelfish society. Yeah, absolutely. They've been around for decades, doing a good job. One of the nice things about being around that long and um, keeping strains for so long is they've had time to really work on them and make the strains nice and, and beautiful and so that they breed more or less true. So it's not one of those situations where it's like, oh, hey, this angelfish, it's beautiful. And this one, it's beautiful. I'm going to breed them. And it's like, wait, the babies are like totally different because the strain there isn't fixed yet, right? So that's a lot of uh, Angels Plus has uh, fixed strains. Now, some of their newer stuff, and they'll, they'll tell you when you go to buy, some of their newer stuff might not be fixed completely yet or whatever, but in general, they have a stellar reputation. Um, yeah, Kelly Foreman throwing down a $9.99 super chat. That's $10. Keep bringing in awesome rainbows because I keep sending more customers your way. Hey, thanks, Kelly. I appreciate it. And... Thanks for doing that. That's, I think that's the main way we're growing is just that we're doing a good job. I'm happy to say, and our, our customers notice and tell their friends. So thanks for telling your friends. It really is the most, if there's, if there's only one thing, if someone's like, I want to support you, I can only do one thing. What can I do better than money, better than super chats, better than almost anything is referrals. That's what helps us grow, that organic growth. So thank you, Kelly, for doing that. And thanks for the super chat. I love it when money falls out of the computer screen. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right. I'm scrolling through a sea of good coy comments here, trying to get to the next one. Question or comment for me. And I, I'm sure that 
I'm sure that I missed a whole bunch that were there before. So if you left your question or comment before the giveaway entry was announced, before the stream of good coys, please leave it again because I, I can't see it. All right, got one here. Skippers Aquarium, so ask a question. Make sure you type at Dan's Fish so it highlights for him. Yes, if you do that, it'll turn bright orange for me like it does here on the screen. And uh, that helps me manage which questions and comments I respond to. So thank you. Toad Tamer, other than the tank behind you, do you keep any personal or other display tanks? Well, I, I kind of... I'm. I'm small enough. When I get in the warehouse, this will change. But right now, things are small enough that I consider every aquarium to be my personal tank. Not a display tank, but every aquarium is kind of like a personal tank. Um, I, we're labeling things just so that as we staff up in things, um, people know where stuff is. And so if we're taking video, we can show the label and show the fish so people can actually see it written, right? Um, makes it easier. But uh, right now I can go and I can tell you pretty much every fish. I, I don't need a label or anything. I know the fish. I can tell you pretty much how long I've had it. I can tell you the saurus. Um, it's, I, I'm in the tanks every day. Like I'm, I'm wet up to my armpits every day working in aquariums. And so um, right now it's all very personal. All the tanks are feel like feel like they did when they were when I was a hobbyist. The only difference really is when I was a hobbyist, I had more time to breed the different fish. That's what I focused on. And actually, when I was a hobbyist, I'm still a hobbyist. Um, I, I'm stealing Rachel O'Leary's description. She describes herself as a professional hobbyist, and that's that's what I feel like. Now, in the warehouse, I won't be able to do that. I won't without a label or a system be able to know, oh, that tank came from this source. We've had it this long. It's grown this much. It had this problem when it first came in, but it hasn't shown symptoms for two months, you know, whatever. Um, so at that point, it'll start feeling um, like I have a disconnect with, with the tanks if they aren't in my section that I'm taking care of. Um, but so far, it doesn't feel that way at all. But no, th this is the only like aquascaped tank. The other tanks will often have Java Moss or Water Sprite or Java Fern or all three in them to kind of help with nitrates and help the fish feel more comfortable and things. But they aren't. Well, is this really aquascaped? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's look at Dan's aquascape. Let's critique this, shall we? This will be fun. So we have over here <laughs> a sponge filter with a power head on it on top of a random piece of, of Malaysian driftwood, which is only there to keep the sponge filter up off the bottom and high enough that it shoots water where I want it. That's the only reason I have that wood there. We have an old turtle tank log, just one of those resin, like, you know, uh, yeah, like epoxy resin logs from an old turtle tank. We have a sword plant I bought at Petco years ago and just happens to be thriving and doing great. Dwarf Sag that I believe I got from Punchy Paints back in the day. Pogo Stemmus Stellatus Octopus. I don't remember where I got that. That might have been Punchy Paints with some um, very sorry looking Ludwigia red, which I got from Punchy Paints. 
in a big plastic planting trough, like you would put on your windowsill or something, just full of gravel. Like that, that's that's how artistic I am. <laughs> no one will mind the big plastic planting trough. It'll look fine, right? Then that's really it. And, and some sand that I've never gravel vacked or sand vacked, I guess, vacuumed a day since this tank has been set up. Um, I just let the plants do it. I let the fish sift through it and stir it up and keep it good. And they do a great job. So I don't know if we can really call it um, a dis- aquascaped tank, but um, I think your description is better. Just a dis- display tank, but kind of. <laughs> and I've never done that. I don't think... There is once I set up a tank and purposely tried to make it look really good to a, for like the casual observer. And that's um, when I set a tank up at my mother-in-law's house because I wanted that to be nice for them. But besides that, my whole life, it's been about breeding the fish. So it's been tanks with spawning mops or tanks with, you know, whatever the fish needed to spawn and raise the fish more than I've always, to me, to me, I've always looked at the fish and found enough beauty in them. and been so preoccupied with them that I've never worried about is the aquascape perfect. Um, I do like giving fish environments with plants in them and things like that, that they can interact with, but it's always about watching the fish for me. I, I could care less about the plants. I keep plants in service of fish. <laughs> so I'm a little odd that way. Uh, Orange cones, I'm so glad the camp focused on the spot tonight, is spot on tonight. Yeah, so um, thank you for bringing that up last week. The issue is, and we fixed it, but what happened is before the live stream last week, we had changed the focus because we were making a macro video real close up of a um, banded gudgeon spawn. So we wanted to get really tied in there so you could see each individual egg and watch as the male fanned them and how they undulated and moved and stuff. And so we'd messed with the focal zone and I forgot about that completely. Well, I didn't even know we had. (laughs) There was someone else operating the camera. And um, so that's why it was kind of focusing in and out and jumpy last live stream because that little focal zone didn't know where to look. It, it was for macro. It was for something completely different. So I've set it back to, to the normal live stream, normal video look, and it should it should be good tonight. So I'm sorry about that last week. And I didn't even realize that, that it happened until after the stream when I mentioned uh, to Jonathan, I was like, someone said that the camera was looking funny. And he's like, oh, and he remembered that we'd switched the focal point. <laughs> so... <laughs> Swamp Thing, just curious, since you talked about lumber prices a few months ago, did you lock in the lumber already? Thankfully, prices are now falling. So yeah, I went to Home Depot today and I bought a whole bunch of two by fours and they had dropped uh, almost a dollar from when I was there last week. Yeah, so they are coming down. I've been keeping up with the news. I've seen that lumber futures are falling and stuff. So yeah, they're... um, all the, a lot of the lumber has not been ordered yet, so we might be able to save some money on that. 
one thing though is there is a disconnect between the price of lumber futures, the stock market basically for lumber going down and the price of the lumber itself going down. Um, from what I understand talking with the different folks in the industry and things, it's, it's generally an, around a quarter lag or so, a financial quarter or so, um, from when that drops to the actual drops in price hit the, hit the market. So there is a bit of a lag there, but I have noticed some drops in the, the market price and I'm grateful for that because, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, not everything's locked in. Um, now some things are like trusses are taking forever to get and so their trusses are back ordered everywhere. And so they did order trusses early on just cause they didn't know when they could get them and they still haven't got them. So, um, it's kind of like the aquariums. I ordered those months in advance just cause aquariums were taking months of lead time to get built and delivered. So. Some things have already, unfortunately, been purchased, but um, but also I'm glad we did because now we at least have it or will hopefully have it in time to not hold up the entire project. But there are, are some stuff, there are some things definitely that um, are being purchased right now because prices are dropping. Roundhouse Aquatics. Hey, he, hey. Well, I did that wrong. He, he, hey. What are those black and silverfish behind you? See, I didn't ask about the orange ones. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah, I did. I was able to get a nice batch of uh, archer fish in. So hopefully if they do well, they'll be released for sale in the next couple of weeks. And they're doing great. They're eating, um, they're settled in. So I'm pretty happy about them. Lunatic Fringe, killifish talk. All right, let's do it, Chewy. Are you familiar with Lacanier? Interioris, beautiful species that Dr. Paul Loisel has worked with in the studies of North American killifish. No, I know Lucania goodier and Lucania parva. Let's take a look at this together. What is this? What is this fish of which you speak? Lucania interioris. I'm not seeing it, man. Um, let's see if we try fish. Parva, parva. I'm seeing parva. Um, no, that's a new one to me. Um, would you send me a link or something? Because I would love to hear about a new species of killifish and learn about it. Um, I only know the other two. Skipper's Aquariums. I feed the African butterfly fish crickets yesterday, and I will say they are mini arowanas. Yes, I love feeding them. Like So when I feed the African butterfly fish, I will often take off the lid completely and remove it just so I can interact with them. They are so fun. They're fun. They're personable. Um, I know in the store, a lot of times they're just off in the corner, like freaking out and don't feel good. Right. But that's because they're not comfortable. They settle in and you get a group of them. Oh, they're so fun. I'm glad you're liking them. Skippers, uh, Thomas, I'm glad you like them. I, I do too. They're, they are awesome little fish. 
And they are, incidentally, they are a bony tongue fish. They are, they are closely related to arowanas. Um, in fact, if you look at them, I don't know if this will be. Evident in a picture so much. But in person, if you look at them, if you like take away all the long fins and stuff, you can kind of see it. Like this is a little arowana. It's got the hinge mouth and everything. Well, a hinge mouth is a different fish, but it's got that big mouth and everything. Uh, they, so they remind me of that too. I'm glad to hear you like them. They're one of my favorites. There's fish that I like because they're like super beautiful and stuff. And then there's fish I like because of how they interact with me. And sometimes they're both beautiful and they interact. Like the African butterfly fish, I don't know if it's beautiful, but it's definitely unique. It's, it's, it, captures, it captures your attention, right? Um, same with the uh, African knife fish. I'm loving them. It is so fun to interact with them. So, yeah. Uh, It's such a fun hobby because there's always something new to learn and another fish to like get to know. Swamp Thing, I think your instructional videos like the upcoming Gudgeon videos are the greatest. Let's hope the internet agrees. Looking forward to them. I think the internet agrees. My, like one of my best performing videos, maybe the best, is just spawning and raising Corridors Aeneas. Um, I had a, a tank of albino Corridors Aeneas spawn and I got video of it and then did the in-depth, like, here's how you collect the eggs, here's how you incubate the eggs, here's how you take care of the wrigglers until they're free swimming, here's how you take care of the babies. And I, I did that until, I think I showed their progress until they were a quarter of an inch or half an inch in size. Um, and the, it's not great quality editing or high production values or anything like that. It was one of my early videos. But uh, it performs consistently. If I ever look at one of the top performing videos, not just of all time, but like of, let's say, of a 28-day period or something, it's always up there in the top five or so, even though there's a lot of new videos that have come out in that same period, in that 28-day period. So, yeah, I, I agree. Those are the ones that do the best long-term. Toad Tamer, how do you find veterinary fish conferences? I am an aspiring student. Oh, the internet, man. It, it's amazing. There's everything out there. Um, if you Google aquarium veterinary conference, it should take you straight to one of them. And then there's, there's um, societies and organizations that vets belong to, and you can find stuff there. There's aquatic vet organizations. You can find stuff there. So yeah, yeah, they're out there. I, I just Google. In fact, I emailed a veterinarian last week. I'm trying to find a veterinarian that I can partner with so that every time I get an import, I can send them a few fish um, of each type that I get so they can work them up and let me know what the issues are. So I start, so I know there's some suppliers if I get fish from, there's likely to be an issue. But I don't know what the issue is. Like, I can't pinpoint what the issue is. And so if I can get a vet involved and actually start pinpointing, okay, this supplier has this issue. This breeder has this issue. These fish coming from here have this issue. 
then I can treat them properly, <laughs> right? Then there's there's a lot of fish I just don't buy anymore or very rarely buy um, just because they, they tend to not do well. And I just don't feel good about getting a fish, even if the, even if the profit makes sense and everything, I just don't feel good about bringing a fish in if I know it has a high likelihood of not doing well. Um, but if I can send some of those to a veterinarian and they can actually diagnose, oh, it has this and there's a treatment for it, then I can start getting a lot of fish in that I just have purposely kind of um, ignored for a while. I can bring them in, treat them and, and keep them again and offer them. So I'm, I've been emailing veterinarians trying to find that relationship, that person, because I don't have the expertise to diagnose all that stuff. So I'm looking for some help there. I just got to Kelly Foreman super chat. That's how far behind I am in the chat. John's Fisher, I'm very happy with the Kelly breeder packs you sent everything alive and healthy. Thank you very much. All right. I'm glad to hear it, John. Um, and yeah, I hope you get tons and tons of babies. <laughs> you should. They're gardenerized. So <laughs> you should get a lot of babies from that species. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Fry turned me into a 12-year-old version of a 41-year-old me. Those Mekong Puffer Fry found on Monday blew my fish keeping mind. Mine too, man. That was awesome. I'm so glad that happened. Um, and they looked from the pictures. They didn't look like microscopic. They looked like they've actually got a little size to them. Like they might be possible to raise okay at that size. You're not dealing with like, you know, zooplankton size fry. <laughs> so I hope they do well for you. Stephen P. 2003 Aquartics. Another success to add to the shipping report. Pseudomoogles arrived alive and active. Just gave them a Gridnal Worm snack. Another unboxing video to come. All right. I'm glad to hear that they made it in good shape. Thanks for letting me know. And again, I know... I know I started the live stream. I guess, I guess it was negative. I'm not trying to be negative though. I'm just trying to be real, right? Um, but almost always, like over 99% of the time in change, um, things go fine. It, it's very rare that someone tries to take advantage. So um, anyway, this is what I'm used to. This is what it usually is, is people saying, hey, thanks for the great fish and stuff in emails or chat or whatever. That's that's the normal story. So I don't want anyone that came and is new and, and like is <laughs> this is their first live stream to think, man, this guy's got issues with his <laughs> customers. I don't like that's very rare. I actually really like my relationship with my customers. Cancer Train, I don't know the details, but silver dollar species are super sensitive to oxygen levels. I wouldn't feel confident shipping them in hot weather at all. I've lost a few rather short moves. Yeah, I, I mean, you definitely need to put them in an oversized bag. You need to put them in clean water so nothing's in the water um, competing with them for the oxygen. And then I do use... Uh, canned oxygen and cold packs when necessary. So I, I totally understand that. Those in hill trouts and things are high oxygen consumers, very active fish for sure. But even if all that's done in that box is left out on a sunny porch in the central Valley of California and the sun's beating on it for a whole day, there's going to be a problem. Yeah. So 
Ryan, how's aquatics? Money out of the screen, man. What brand? <laughs> I need to get three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get your 3D glasses on. <laughs> Speaking of money falling out of the screen, Canada's Aquatics and Exotics is tickling my funny bone with Pippi Longstocking cheering me on. Thank you so much, Bob. Seriously, my favorite super sticker of all time. Um, always appreciated. Never required. But Bob, as you know, super chats do make the wife very happy. So thank you. <laughs> Lunatic Fringe, Professor Dan's Fish. I'm asking you from the aspect of being an educator, if you were given two tickets to an aquarium paradise, aquatic paradise, what would your answer be to compare that to the hobby angle? Chewy, I'm having trouble parsing the question in my mind. To an aquatic paradise, do you mean like like a natural habitat, like a West African rainforest or something like that? Or is aquatic paradise an event that I don't know about? I just don't quite understand the question. If you could clarify for me, I'd be happy to answer. New Mexico Aquatics. Little Bobby, how are you? What foods would you recommend for Sclerimastix barbatus? In your experience, are they primarily carnivorous or omnivorous? Thank you, Little Bobby. So for most of the Cori-type species, you want a lot of protein. They're, they're pretty much carnivorous. Um, most of their vegetation and, and vitamins and minerals of that type that come from vegetable matter um, come from their prey. So when they eat a worm or something like that, that worm has been chewing on algae or whatever, right? And it's in the gut of the worm. And so when the quarry or scleromastix, which it's in that group, right, eats that worm, then it gets all the protein and stuff of the worm plus the vitamins and minerals in that veggie matter in the gut of the worm. So if you think about feeding reptiles, it's kind of the same. Um, if you feed, if you have a, a lizard, um, say you have a chameleon, right? A hardcore carnivore, that thing is not going to snack on any lettuce. Well, actually, I have had veiled tail chameleons snack on lettuce. Anyway, let's say you have <laughs> a chameleon <laughs> and you feed it crickets and these crickets are don't have any gut content over time that chameleon could get a deficiency in its diet because it's not getting any veggie matter so you in the in the reptile world it's very common you gut load the prey item so you feed the cricket or fruit fly or whatever um really nutritious food before you feed it to the chameleon or or your leopard gecko or whatever right um in that way, the, chame the chameleon, the, the predator, gets a balanced diet. It's, we, we need to remember that with our predator fish. Um, often, I think, we think of predator fish and we're like, meat, 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 especially the large predators, right? You'll see them being fed tilapia, fillets, and shrimp, and all these things. But it's important to remember that when a predator, even a big predator, a gulper catfish, hardcore predator, right? Um, eats a prey item. It's still getting vegetables. It's still getting, you know, it's, it's still eating its broccoli. So yeah. Ken's fish making it rain with 99 cent 
Troop emoji chats. <laughs> Thank you, Ken's fish, for all the fecal matter. I, I assure you, it will be put to good good use. I, are you encouraging me to, to fertilize my tank? Like those plants need some help. Here's some fertilizer. <laughs> Ken's fish, taking. Oh, look at this. Look at what I'm seeing. Because so it's like double jazz and then Ken's, 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 Ken's. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making the fertilizer rain. So, um, Bobby, I, I would say feed them, keep that in mind. They, they like high protein and things, but make sure they get some veggie matter. And they, they probably aren't going to eat pure veggies a lot of the time, but something with some balance to it. Um, and most, a lot of the commercially prepared foods do have veggies in there. Like Ryan shrimp with spirulina in it, for example, is, is a good, a, a good way to, to help get some veggies in there. Um, now, even though they're carnivorous, they'll eat most foods. Like if I put around a zucchini in there, they might not eat that. They don't really have the dentition for it. But if you put in like community pellets, they'll eat that. If you put in carnivore pellets, they'll eat that. If you put in, they're pretty easy to feed. Okay. Liquid Zoo, only fins. Never lose that touch with what you're doing. Stay armpit deep. Oh, I will. Um, but there's no way once we scale out, let's say we have over a thousand aquariums. I'm not going to be able to look at a tank and know all the details of that fish and its history like I do now. That's what I'm saying. No, actually, we're making it. So we're making it a requirement that everybody that works in our company that works with us, at least local, like uh, that's here at the warehouse, right? Is going to be obligated to spend time maintaining tanks and packing fish from whatever the hierarchy is, right? From, from the tippy top to the bottom bottom. And I hate thinking of it that way because I don't like the idea of hierarchy in, in a company like that. I like the idea of constellations, but that's a whole different thing. Um, anyway, whatever the role is, you're going to spend some time every week or two. I mean, if you're in a business trip, you can't, but every week, let's say, okay, that's great. Spend an hour packing fish. Like, and by the way, these five aquariums, these are yours to maintain, right? Because we don't want um, anyone making, anyone in the leadership, anyone making decisions to be out of touch with the reality of what's happening, uh, of what it is to actually physically pack a fish and seal a bag and pack a box, um, what it is to actually land and import and care for fish and medicate fish and quarantine fish, what it is to maintain an aquarium long-term, you know, things like that. So um, that's something that we're being very thoughtful about as we grow. If we ever get to the point that, okay, the marketing guy has just got to do the videos, man, or do the whatever, they've got a ton on their plate. Well, that's fine. But once a week, you're taking an hour and you're packing fish. And you're in charge of these aquariums and you have to do that, right? Just because we don't want to get out of touch. So we are, we're purposely trying to bake that in, um, into how we, 
into how the business is run and how everyone in the business has contact with different parts of the business, no matter what their role is. Because there's those parts of the business that are vital. If they are not good, then it doesn't matter what other decisions are made. If, if fish are not properly imported and quarantined, it doesn't matter. Um, some high level marketing decision doesn't matter. If, um, the fish are not prepped and packed properly and sent to customers in a way that delights the customer and makes the fish thrive for them long-term, um, then it doesn't matter what efficiency we implement anywhere else to, to help with profitability. Like just the, those base things we can't lose touch with. So we're cognizant of that and we talk about that a lot. Lumpy Dog, good to see you. The EBA car are doing great. They pretend to be shy, but the cichlid curiosity takes over and back to the front of the glass they come. They look fantastic. Thanks again. Hey, you're welcome. I'm glad they did well for you. And I bet you in no time, as soon as they understand that you are, you mean food is coming, that they'll be up front all the time. Yeah. The tank they came from, I walked past the tank and it's like out to the front, like food, 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 food. So they'll do that soon. Devo, what is the quarantine method you would advise for us? So it it totally depends on everyone's situation. Um, There's a difference between quarantine and treatment. What quarantine means is separation, an observation period separated from anyone else. So I think that what a, a good quarantine procedure would be is to have if you have your prize tank, to have a second tank. Okay, here's an ideal world. Let's say you have one beautiful show tank that you love and you spend a lot of time on and it's your prize, right? I would say the ideal for that would be to have three aquariums, the show tank and two support aquariums. One support aquarium I would set up um, so that it has biological filtration, maybe some plants, whatever. It's a, it's a full ecosystem. And anytime I got new fish, I'd put them in there for a month or two and just make sure that they were doing okay. Maybe medicate them, maybe don't. Um, but mainly it's get the new fish in and put them somewhere besides the prize aquarium for a long period of time just to make sure that you're not seeing any signs of disease for a month or two, right? I might not treat them. I might just observe them unless I saw issues, then I might treat them, but keep them there. If they're good for two months, then what you might want to do is take one of the fish out of the prize aquarium and put it in the quarantine tank for another few weeks, just to make sure that the fish in the quarantine tank aren't carrying something that will wipe out the fish in the prize tank that they're immune to, but that the other fish, you know, are going to be harmed by. So I would do that. I'd wait a little while. If that went well, then I would take everyone and put them in the prize tank, right? That seems like a pretty safe way to do that. So that's the first two tanks. The third tank would be a tank that's not set up. It's just a bare piece of glass um, unless I need to medicate, in which case I would fill it with clean aged gas off water, not water that's been in a tank, just water from the tap that's been aerated and gassed off and all that and stabilized and dechlorinated. I put in an air stone 
a lid, um, a heater, I suppose, if it wasn't in a warm fish room. And um, if the fish needs cover, some kind of cover that is not organic, like uh, Easter grass for floating plants, spawning mops for stem plants, uh, pipes for caves, things like that. And I'd use that as a hospital tank. So if during quarantine I saw a problem, I could move the fish to that tank if I needed to treat with antibiotics and I, I wouldn't have to worry about destroying the ecosystem of the quarantine tank, the main quarantine tank. So you'd have a hospital tank, use as needed, a quarantine tank that is a permanent set up bioactive ecosystem, and then your prize tank. And I think that would be kind of an ideal way to uh, land fish. Now, how I do it here is quite different because I'm a commercial enterprise. I'm getting new fish in all the time. So I have a whole quarantine system. Um, or, well, each tank technically is a quarantine tank because the tanks are not connected. Like the water from one tank does not flow into another tank. But, um, you know, I have a system where if I need to medicate and things, I can. But more and more as I'm prepping for the warehouse and how I'll need to treat fish there because it's a different system, um, I'm trying something which is I'm, I'm seeing what happens if I just observe the fish and don't move them to the medication system unless there's an issue. And I'm finding that's working okay for a lot of species. Where it falls apart is wild blackwater species. So if there's a, 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 a true blackwater species that has been collected from the wild, that needs some prophylactic care. But most other things seem to be doing pretty much as well with medication as without. I mean, there's a few species that I know those always have problems, right? But um, the, the separate and observe seems to be working and then move to the medication tank if necessary. Seems to be working pretty well. So it's evolving for me as I, as I, as I prep for the warehouse so that when the warehouse comes in line, I have a system that works in that system. In, I have a quarantine method that works in the physical system of the flow through warehouse. Um, I'm, I'm learning as I go and trying new things, doing some A-B tests and things. And so far, I, I think where I'll land is unless it is a wild blackwater species or a species from a supplier where I'm like, I know that has problems, um, I'll probably just observe and see if something evolves or not. Yeah. Okay, Kaylee's Aquatics and Exotics. What rainbow is the seizing, not seizing rainbow? So that is a Melanotania species Caladiri. Uh, location is Caladiri. There's no description yet. Let me show you here. Bob. These guys right here. So Melanotania from a Caladiri location. K-A-L-A-D-I-R-I is what that is. And I'm so glad that it's doing well for you. That's amazing. <laughs> 
We have 200 and <laughs> I was going to say we have 209 people here. And as soon as I started saying it, it dropped to 203. That's how it happens. The moment I get excited about how many viewers we have, it drops. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to share this out, like the video, do those things that get more people here, uh, that would be highly appreciated. Thanks so much. Let's see here. I'm looking for the next highlight. Things jump in. Okay, see here, I can see Gary B. A dance fish room, I've, oh, it's just dance fish. No dance fish room, just so you know. But I do have a fish room, so I guess it's accurate. I've got some old wheel covers if you want them for a future aquascape project. Yeah, the junkyard, op there you go. The redneck front yard aquascape, right? You got the old uh, <laughs> Ford truck, project is rusting away into the ground as it gets buried and in, in the as the ground creeps up around it you've got a, a bunch of tires thrown around you got some gas cans over here yeah i, I like it <laughs> mm. crown tail half moon hang on let me make sure i'm not What's your pros and cons for using wood over aluminum metal racks for tanks? Um, I've always used wood. I have explored the possibility of using metal. Um, my good friend John Niemans um, in, in, in Los Angeles area has an amazing fish house. It's not even a fish room. It's a, it's a massive facility. Um, and it's all welded metal racks and it's really cool. Um, Bob Allen of Rift Lake Aquatics, is that? can't remember his business name, but he's one of the, the old-time cichlid keepers. Um, he's out in Utah. He has a metal rack system. Um, it's, it's a hybrid between wood and metal. And they all work well. I personally went with wood because I know how to build it myself. I wouldn't have to hire someone. And... Um, it's fairly inexpensive and straightforward. So I went with wood, but what I like about, and, and also there's some flexibility, <laughs> metal racks hard to change up once it's done. Well, what I like about the metal racks is kind of their, their permanence. There's they, when they're, when they're done well, they, they're really nice. Um, steel can rust. That's a down, that's an issue. One big issue. The main benefit, I would say, practically for using metal versus wood is you have less space using up, used up by the wood, right? So two by four is three and a half inches of space is just gone. And if you have, if you're using like a angle iron or something like that, um, that might only be, I don't know, an inch or something. So you save a couple inches. So you can stack the tanks closer together or have more working room between them. I would say that's the real practical everyday working in the fish room difference is just less vertical space taken up by the metal. Bob Allen had an amazing little system. What he would do is he would take two by four legs to make his rack legs, two by four you know, studs. And he would take his saw and cut a notch in them, and he would take aluminum angle iron, 
and put that into the notch and screw it. So if here's the two by four, right? Kind of the notches here. If this is your angle iron, that sticks into the notch to hold it. And um, I mean, the scale's wrong. <laughs> and then a screw would go right here to screw the angle iron into the wood. So we had kind of this hybrid system that worked well. Um, what Bob Allen found is he had to put like styrofoam padding on top of it or it could crack his aquariums. I don't know if his was totally flash, uh, flush. John Neiman's, I, I don't think John had any um, styrofoam. He might have had like a rubber pad going across the top or something like that. Um, or it might have just been built so level and square that his tank sat right on it. I can't remember exactly. But that vertical space savings is pretty nice. We are going to get to the giveaway right now. We have 199 folks here. That's pretty good. Um, and we're going to do it a little before the end just to reward folks that are here and haven't just popped in the last couple minutes to get some winnings, right? The giveaway is for some amazing angelfish that are provided by Cape Fish. This is a gentleman named Bob who has a store Cape Fish. Um, and these are the fish he's giving away six quarter sized or larger koi fry, but a quarter size. I don't know if they're fry anymore, like <laughs> juvenile. <laughs> um, the parents were purchased from Angels Plus. So good quality stock. Angels Plus has a great reputation. Here's a picture of one of the parents. Here's a picture of a baby and another baby. So right now the babies don't have that bright orange red coloration, but you can see how, how high coverage it is in the parents. Um, as they grow, the babies will develop that. So Bob is giving away six of those. Bob from um, Cape Aquatics. Cape Aquatics or Cape Fish, sorry. Cape Fish, sorry. Bob from Cape Fish. Um, the store is on Get Gills. And Bob, I, I looked for a YouTube channel to share, but I didn't, I didn't see one. So forgive me if you have a YouTube channel. I'd, I'd like to send people there, but I didn't see it. Um, so the winner of that, there's 140 people who have entered to win that. And the winner is New Local Austin. New Local Austin, you have won some amazing high coverage koi angelfish from Cape Fish. You have two minutes to chime in and let us know that you are here in the chat. So just let us know you're here and we'll take care of things after that. In the meantime, In the meantime, let's get to another question. Oh, Chad just jumped big time. Sorry. So I'm looking. I don't know if it'll let me get all the way up again. Let's let's try. Ken's fish. Oh, I missed the $4.99. <laughs> I saw the 99 cent poop emojis, but Kent closing out making it rain and closing it out with 4.99. Say thanks, Dan, for what you do. And thanks right back at you, man. And thanks for all the super chats. That's fun. <laughs> oh, there it is. Local, new local Austin says, wonderful. I'm a winner. You are. You're a winner. Um, so new local Austin, would you email me? Dan at dancefish.com. I need your first. Oh, no, I don't because I'm not sending it to you. All I need is your email. Um, and, uh, so just email me, say, Hey, I'm new local Austin. I'm the one that won. I'll forward that and get you in touch with Bob from, um, 
Cape Fish, and you guys can work out the shipping details and take it from there. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, yes, I think we have a real shot. They're eating brine shrimp already. That's mostly the big hurdle pass for fry. Yeah, so the, the little puffers, the Mountaintop Puffer Keeper um, has, you know, that appeared or <laughs> big enough to eat baby brine shrimp. That's awesome. Good for you. You're well on your way. Bunny Viper, hello, hello, Akayo, Akayo. I have four baby epiplatis I discovered lately. Late, obviously, but four are fantastic. Yeah, congratulations. So that's um, a species of killifish and epiplatis. The collection point was Akayo, and I'm so glad that you were able to breed those. That's awesome. Lunatic Fringe has sent me a video. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll check it out so I, I know it. I know how best to respond. Kevin's Canines and Aquatics, how would you suggest breeding gardener killifish? All right. So if you just want, and this goes for most killifish species, not necessarily the true annuals like uh, Nothobronchius or uh, any of the Sinolebius and Astrolebius and Neolebius and all those other Leptolebius. I, I don't even know all the different Lebiuses now. But when I was growing up, it was all Sinolebius or Astrolebius. There was maybe a Terralebius. <laughs> it's all changed. But um, those true annuals, apart from those, the non-annuals or semi-annuals, and Gardneri are a semi-annual, the easiest way to do it is get a tank, put some gravel in the bottom so that the eggs have somewhere to go, Put some plants in there so the fry have some cover and um, not all the eggs get eaten and the killifish feel comfortable. Put in your killifish, feed them well. Live and frozen foods work best for this, but they'll eat prepared foods. They just won't spawn as much. After they've been in there for a couple weeks, by the way, I'm assuming this has an active sponge filter and is, you know, all cycled up and everything. Um, after they've been in there for a couple weeks, Take them out and fry should appear. And if you squirt some baby brine shrimp in there, then a lot of the fry will live. So that's how I would suggest doing an easy mode. If you want a decent number of fry, easier mode is heavily planted tank, squirt in some baby brine shrimp every now and then, don't remove the parents. Enough of the babies will survive in among the plants and things and, and find the brine shrimp, the baby brine shrimp to eat, that you'll probably get a decent colony going up. I've done gardener that way as well. If you want tons of babies, separate males and females into separate tanks, feed them heavily with live and frozen foods, and then put them in a bare glass aquarium or even a plastic good-sized shoe box with a spawning mop, a sinking spawning mop, and that's it. Leave them in there for two days, take them out, and that mop will probably be full of eggs, especially if it's just one male and one female. Um, if you have a lot of fish in there, sometimes they can eat the eggs, but if it's just a pair and they're concentrating on spawning, they're probably not going to take a lot of time to eat many of the eggs. So that'll get you a ton of eggs. Yeah. And from there you can water incubate or peat or peat dry incubate on peat moss, the eggs. Um, but that's a, that's a different discussion. Easiest way, though, is just heavily planted and let them appear. Crown Tail Half Moon, can you recommend any software that helps create design free logos? Yeah, GIMP. I use it all the time. 
This is my friend GIMP. Hopefully if I start it, it won't crash everything else. Let me show you this program. This is totally free. Open source, just made by nerds who like to make things. And let me throw a picture in there. Let's see here. Let me make sure I'm not sharing anything sensitive here. To be careful, I almost shared something sensitive a couple streams ago, and I felt real bad. Okay. I think this will work. So, i share the screen here. So this is GIMP, this program right here. And the way you use it is if you have a picture that you want, oh, let's actually do the logo, hang on. Let me, let me get into the logo here. Since you're asking about a logo, just a moment. Okay, so here's some, here's some logo files, right? Let's say we wanna play. So we'll pull a file into GIMP and drop it, and then I'm gonna move this out of the way. And from here, you can manipulate it all kinds of ways. Go here to Tools, open your toolbox, go here to Windows, Dockable Dialogs, open your layers. Between these two things, you can do almost anything in GIMP. Let's say we want a background on this. Right? So we want to add a layer. New layer. And we want it to be, I don't know what color background. Let's go with white. Yep. Okay. So the white layer is on top of the logo. We move the logo up, and now we have our logo on a white background. So that's just one little example. Um, this is a scaling tool. You can change the scale of it really easily play around with that if you unlock it here then you can play around with the aspect ratios but I don't want to do that <laughs> um, if you want to type on it click the a here and you can type on it so there's that's just a very very brief you know look at it there's tons you can do on that so GIMP is great it's free it's like Photoshop um, for folks that want a free open source way to build logos, for example. So that's how I would do it. In fact, that's how I did do it. <laughs> Toad Tamer, follow-up question to personal tanks. If provided unlimited funds and space, build your dream tank, go. Does it have to be just one tank? <laughs> that's the problem. I'm a fish breeder. That's like my passion. So it's hard to just have one tank. But if I could only have one tank, it would probably be a tank that went all the way around the room and had directional flow. So it was like a river. Um, I don't know what I put in there because this is I haven't had time to wrap my head around it. But uh, river loving species. <laughs> so I could watch them in the current play around and things like that. That's probably what I would do all the way around the room so that it went, so the flow never stopped, right? That's what I would do. Lunatic Fringe, 
It would be anything that you perceive your aquatic paradise would be. You have two tickets to it, like the song, two tickets to paradise for some. Oh, yeah. So for me, I would want to go to West Africa. I want to go see all these little killifish habitats and get to know them in their habitats. I'd, I'd want to see some diapteron habitats. Um, I'd want to see blue galeris habitat, um, some different epiplates. Um, that's what it would be. West Africa focused on killifish and, and the other stuff that's around them, the barbs and cichlids and stuff, but killifish habitats. So, sorry, now that I understand your question, it's easy to answer. <laughs> yep. It's been a dream of mine since I was a kid when I first fell in love with killifish. I'd always look at the pictures and Shields Atlas, Jorgen Shields Atlas, and be like, man, I want to go there. And I'd always read the the, the collecting trip uh, articles written by people that went collecting um, in JACA, the Journal of the American Killifish Association. And they would describe their journey going to collect killifish. And I was like, man, I want to do that. And I, I haven't done it yet, but I'd love to do that. Crown tail. Oh, we're, we're hemorrhaging. We're down to 137. <laughs> Giveaways done. People are like, I'm out. <laughs> Crown tail half moon. Can microworms eat spirulina or fish foods like plague? Um, sorry, flakes or pellets, not flakes, flakes or pellets to gut load them prior to feeding fry, etc. I think you could. I wouldn't do it in the culture, though, because that would create a pretty stinky mess. But I don't think that you need to. Um, all the yeasts and stuff that the that the that the microworms are eating are, are pretty. Um, yeah, pretty packed with nutrition. So I think you could. I've never done it though. And there was a long time, actually several years when I was first starting, I was kind of, I'd had some bad experiences trying to hatch brine shrimp, it just didn't work well for me. I, I, I was making it too complicated, right? I, I read it needs a certain pH and you have to add baking soda and all this crap. It's not true. Just add salt and bubble it. You'll be fine. But anyway. I have a whole video about that if you want to see how easy it is. Um, but anyway, before I knew that, I was like, man, brine shrimp doesn't work for me. So I cultured a lot of microworms. And there was a few years there towards the beginning where all I fed to raise my fry was microworms. And um, I didn't do any supplements or anything. I used Rice Krispies as the base with some water and, and a lot of yeast. And um, that always worked well for me. Now, Maybe it would have worked better if I supplemented them and gut loaded them. Um, but I didn't try it. I suppose though, if you moved them to another container for a little bit, gut loaded them and, and fed, it, it couldn't hurt. I mean, Crown Tail, would you try it and let me know? I'm really curious how that works for you. The issue with microwave cultures is they're always on the edge of becoming this crashed, stinky mess. So if you can find a way to gut load them outside of the culture, it doesn't seem like that would be too hard. Just make some kind of paste out of it. Um, put the microworms in there for a little while. I bet with spirulina powder, I bet they would eat it up and turn green within like half an hour. I don't know. Could totally work. 
We're at time. It's 8.30, so i got to end this. I would like to start the end. <laughs> I'd like to begin the, the beginning of the end with uh, thanking my mods for all they do. I really appreciate it. Everyone that threw money at us through Super Chats, thank you so much. We appreciate the money. It really does help. Always appreciate it. It's never required, though. There's no barrier to entry or anything, but it does help the cause. Um, everyone that asked questions and comments, thank you. That helps make this lively and interesting. It would be really difficult to do this week after week and keep it fresh without you guys. And everyone who's questioned and comment, I did not get to. I apologize. I do my best. But um, I like to give in-depth things. And I look at the questions and comments more as jumping off points for conversation um, than anything else. So that's that's kind of how I address them. Um, hmm. I'd like to thank Bob from Cape Fish for the amazing giveaway. Check his store out, capefish on getgills.com. If you'd like to see more of his stuff, he has some killifish, some amazing guppies, um, has some crabinzas, and has some angelfish, different things like that. I'd like to quickly shout out, hail the lurker nation. I'm with you. I lurk all the time. Everyone watching on the replay that couldn't be here live, thanks for being here. And everyone, everybody listening on the podcast, first of all, I hope that's a decent experience <laughs> with me tripping over all my words and stuff. And you can't even see the screen when I share images of fish and things like that. But uh, thanks for listening. I'm glad you're doing it. Anyway, we'll be back next Wednesday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I hope you have a good one. And uh, I think that's it. Thanks. Bye bye.